Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything evolves every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, or most weeks. Uh, here on the Big Orange Podcast, if that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed over on iTunes, Apple, whatever, and Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And our new episodes drop there every Monday morning during the football season. It's been like every second or third Monday lately. <laughs> but, no, you know, nonetheless... It'll, it will be every Monday during the football season, because this is a podcast about Tennessee sports. Anywho, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z sports, Facebook.com, slash A to Z sports Nashville on the socials, and A to Z sports Nashville.com for all of the stuff that Zach writes. And we're finally, Zach, getting to write about the football season coming up. SEC media days just passed. We can talk about what Josh Heupel potentially had to say. It wasn't the most interesting thing in the world, but we'll cover it. But Zach, uh, the football season is coming up. That's exciting. But the SEC is apparently trying to create a super conference that is going to end the NCAA, and I feel like that might be the thing we need to talk about first. What's up, Zach? Man, it, it felt like it was getting normal. You know, SEC media days in person. There's still some little restrictions with how, how many media members can go, and they only had two players, and, you know. But it was this sense of normalcy. It's like things are finally getting back to normal. And then just out of nowhere, this Oklahoma-Texas report just – I don't think I've seen something take over sports Twitter or college football Twitter kind of in particular like that in quite some time. I mean, it just, everybody dropped what they were doing and the entire focus was on Texas, Oklahoma. Within an hour, I think I had seen like 20 different division alignments that uh, that had been proposed, all kinds of crazy stuff from pod setups to you know, expanding the conference even more. It's one of the craziest things I've seen this year. That was the funniest trickling out of information that I have seen with such a major story. Because, yeah, we got almost all the way through SEC media days. And then this sort of chatter started where it was like, hold, wait, is Oklahoma, Texas going to try to get into the SEC? And then people were looking around and they were like, wait, is this like a real... Is this a real story? Is this is this a real story? And it was just like slowly. And then out of nowhere, these dudes from Texas and Oklahoma are like, actually, they've been talking about this for six months. We're already way down the road. It's definitely going to happen. And Texas and Oklahoma are about to tell the Big 12 to go screw themselves. And it was just this deluge all at once. And <laughs> I, it's unbelievable. I, I have kind of going back and forth on this. I love the idea that there would be these super conferences that play 
year in and year out these amazing games at the highest levels. Like that would be so cool. But I'm only really cool with it if it leads to the end of the NCAA. Because when you have a setup like that, those conferences will have so much money and power that the NCAA is literally useless. The NCAA can just go away and no one would have a second thought about it at that point because there's just so much money flowing through an organization like that. Like what, what function would the NCAA even have? And so if that is the end goal, and I will say from what Greg Sankey said about any of this, that is kind of what it sounds like where he's headed with this. I'm for it. At the same time, do I want Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC? Hell no, I don't want Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. Texas and Oklahoma can go screw themselves because they've been sitting outside the SEC sniping at the conference all this time while also thinking, what? what? I want to be in the SEC. Obviously, we always all we all always said that. Oh, well, they're just mad that they're not in the SEC and they would go, no, we're not. We're not mad. <laughs> You're just a little bit. No, you wanted to be in the SEC. We all know it. The SEC is the best conference in college football. That's always been clear. It's not even close. It's not just a, a top-heavy league. It is a top-heavy league, but also the the teams that are in those top spots are so good and so much better and produce so much more revenue and are so much more entertaining and and it's just, I mean, it's the best conference in college football, and we all knew it. And now, finally, Texas and Oklahoma are admitting it. There's a lot to this. There's so many layers to this that we can get into. I, I mean, I honestly, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of like you. I think it, it spells the end of the NCAA eventually. Um, I think one thing that most people probably are struggling with, and myself included, I mean, I like, Probably everybody listening to this, I grew up loving college football. And one of the main reasons that I love college football so much is the traditions, um, just kind of how things have been. I mean, there's always been some subtle changes, you know, teams bounce around conferences. And, it, you know, even when Missouri and Texas A&M joined the, the SEC, I wasn't thrilled about it, but it, it seemed kind of inconsequential. I mean, it's not, it wasn't inconsequential, but it didn't seem like, you know, it wasn't Texas, Oklahoma. And, it you know, now it kind of feels natural. I mean, it, it, we've been, you know, it's been 10 years almost, and it just feels like kind of natural. Texas and Oklahoma, the two premier schools in that conference leaving, I mean, that feels like it's just going to alter everything so much. I mean, we've never, I mean, that would be like Alabama leaving to go to the, you know, to the Big 12 or to the ACC, you know, if, if if that happened, it would completely alter college football, and that's what's going to happen with this. And it's not going to be the college football that we grew up watching. Um, and I think we have to accept that at this point because with the NIL stuff, you know, everything has changed. It's a much going to be a much different product. The players are, you know, they're famous before they ever step foot on campus, and they need to be treated as such. And that's a whole nother conversation. But it, it has changed and we need to, I mean, we need to accept that it's evolving. And if we accept it and just kind of go with it and not fight it, I think it'll be more enjoyable for everybody because it, it's changing. It's coming. Nothing that anybody can do is going to stop it because there's a lot of money. Uh, I mean, that's all this is about, obviously, is money from Texas and Oklahoma standpoint. And that's what's going to drive these decisions. And that's not going to change anytime soon. The tectonic plates of college football are shifting beneath our feet. And the thing about that, when you think about, you know, 
the core of the earth shifting, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, this is all, this was coming down the pike always. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. I don't know exactly what flipped the switch. If it was just NIL where they finally went, all right, let's do it. This was always coming down the pike because the, the NCAA has always just been pushing it. They, they come in and they don't provide anything of value really. And then all they do is bother you. That's all they do. They've been pushing it all this time. Just thinking, well, we'll, we have the NCAA tournament and that's about it. I mean, think about it. The college football playoff is not put on by the NCAA. That's not an NCAA event. That I mean, yeah, technically it is played within the bounds of NCAA football, but that is not, it's not like the NCAA basketball tournament. The Like college football is bigger now than the NCAA. And we're about to find out how much bigger is what's about to happen. And I, you just, I think long-term, this is going to be a very good thing. I think it will finally turn college sports into the true, uh, basically D league that it is. I mean, let's be honest. That's exactly what college sports has always been. And the NCAA just refuses to say it is a D league. It's a developmental league that you bring guys up in and then they go to the pros and the, the guys that don't go to the pros go and do something else. Hopefully you get a degree that's useful. That's a whole other conversation, but, uh, this is just where it was always headed. I know a lot of people are scared that this is going to be the end of college football as we, (sighs) my, my prediction will be this in 10 years. I mean, I think from this, the, the final year it's become totally official at, at this point as the time that we're doing this podcast on Monday, the 20, whatever day it is, the 26th. Um, it's official. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma have informed the big 12 that they are leaving in 2024. It's over. Uh, and so I would say in the next five to 10 years, the shape that I think, I think it will take is that the NCAA is effectively dissolved or sort of, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what shape that'll take. But it essentially becomes completely irrelevant. Maybe the NCAA becomes the governing body of smaller college sports. Like it splits off between Power Five and Group of Five, and the NCAA only covers Group of Five now, and Power Five does its own thing. I don't know what shape that will take, but I think you will have NCAA or you will have college athletes being paid as university employees and signing contracts with universities in that way. I, and I mean, I have experience. I was an employee of the university of Tennessee while I attended the university that happens. That's a thing. They already do it. There wouldn't be anything new. Just the people that play sports at the college would now be employees. I I think it will be something like that. The NIL laws will be what they are now. Just people getting sponsorship deals. And then you'll have these probably have these like super conferences that end up forming probably the ACC and the SEC and something on the West Coast. It probably breaks out into like three or four, and then it's just Power 5 college football and Group of 5 college football, and it shakes out somewhere in there. That's my prediction. I don't think it's going to change. I think college football is still going to be incredibly entertaining. I still think there's going to be all the incredible traditions and everything, but year in and year out, Tennessee will get to play Texas. Tennessee will maybe get to play 
Clemson. Tennessee will get to play Virginia Tech. You know, I think there'll be a shifting still because there was even what, what was the report? Was it dude from Barstool or something? They reported yeah. that the SEC had. I don't know if this is true. This scene, the tweet to me that where I saw this seemed more hopeful than anything. But somebody was claiming that they'd also talked to like Clemson and Florida State and some schools like that about coming to the SEC too. There's going to be even more shifting, and I think you'll still have ten- Tennessee still going to have to play Alabama. <laughs> Unfortunately, a side note well, on that. A side note yeah. on that before I forget. It's one of the great traditions in college football, but have you ever seen, I mean, Tennessee fans are so, I mean, they would not have it any other way than to get beat by Alabama every year. I mean, it's been 15 (laughs) years and they're like, no, we have to play this game. I mean, we have to lose by 30. There is no other way. They're dead. And I get it. Huge tradition. But at the same time, why so overly excited for that? Guys, this is what that game has come to. Can we please talk about this? Alabama's homecoming game in 2021 is Tennessee. That's what they think about Tennessee. Alabama thinks so little of Tennessee football that it is their homecoming game. They know they're going to win by 30. They know it. That's insult. Like that alone should make Tennessee fans go, we're not playing. We're not doing this anymore. This is over. We're canceling this game. I like that should be. That's so insulting. They announced. Then they announced that today, I think. That's so I, insulting. That is. That really is. And, and I'm sure, yeah, it just is. There's no way. I mean, I, I get it. But the the fans that have a truly meaningful tie to the Alabama game are getting old. Mm-hmm. And we got to be honest about that. I Even I'm at age 30. When I was a kid, Tennessee smacked Alabama around. And then when I became an adult, Tennessee got drilled by Alabama in every single game. It's never been that meaningful of a rivalry. Like it just never has been. It, for for me at age 30, it's been uh it's been Florida. It's always been Florida. Mm-hmm. If you beat Florida, it's a great year. If you lose to Florida, it's every other year. You know? And that's what it's always been. And then now, you know, unfortunately Vandy is an actual rival. Oh, shoot. <sighs> but you know, like that Alabama game, that's this is a whole other side conversation, but it is part of this because I think you do have to talk about what becomes of those things? Because I think you, you'll find, you'll refine old traditions with this move. Because I think if they don't make Texas and Texas A&M play yes. football against each other again every single year, what a stupid missed opportunity that mm-hmm. would be. That has to happen. And I know Texas A&M doesn't want to do it. Nope. They don't want to. <laughs> but Texas A&M, sorry. You're about to have to. And, you know, I, you know I what? think... I, Go ahead. I, I thought about this whenever all this happened. This is almost like a uh, like a high school movie like drama where you've got a group of friends and you got two kind of talking behind everybody's back and they they make these plans to leave and, and join this new group of friends and this new group of friends has a friend from the old group of friends which would be Texas A and M that's like I don't know about this guys I don't think you should let them in and this whole thing is just kind of this big gossipy high school drama type thing with all the back and forth and it's beyond amusing just the way that it's played out in the media i i love it there, there's been some really uncomfortable uh press conferences in the last few days with texas a&m's ad where basically i think he got absolutely blindsided by this oh yeah where where the sec oh, basically everyone. went mm, sorry yeah <laughs> sorry texas a&m yeah. <laughs> we didn't really consult you on this but we're gonna do it anyway uh, you know, I just, 
one of my I, favorite little petty things uh, between Texas and Oklahoma is they both, I guess it was this morning when they both had that release that they sent out and Oklahoma's release had Oklahoma listed first and Texas's release had Texas listed first. It's the exact same release, but they flipped flipped the two schools. I love that. You get you gotta get in those little shots at every opportunity. But then somebody else mentioned it's like I can't imagine, you know, Alabama and Auburn releasing a, a joint release. They would definitely each just have their own separate one. And that's like, well, that proves that Texas and Oklahoma are definitely not ready for the SEC yet then. No. I I like I look at this situation and I'm excited because the NCAA can suck it and it needed to be dissolved decades ago. It's a garbage organization that does nothing. Goodbye to the NCAA. We don't need you. It's going to be painful up front. Mm-hmm. But my my whole thing about it is that eventually, yeah, you might see some shifting in in the traditions and rivalries and things like that. But what comes out of this, I think will be a superior product. I think it will be an enhanced playoff with more teams that makes more money. And there's more great games to watch over a longer amount of time, every season. Like, I mean, if you just bring in more great teams, every conference, there's going to be more great games. That's to me, that's great. And, and I just think you'll, You'll fill any any lost traditions or what you think were lost traditions will get filled right back in with something good. I think. I agree. I'm sure there will be net negatives to this. As I said, there's going to be pain up front. That's unavoidable. I mean, the Big Twelve. What the hell's the Big Twelve about to do? I mean, they Texas and Oklahoma just <laughs> smacked them across the face and said, "Sorry, see ya." And like. I, I think they'll probably now have to probably scramble, try to add more schools. I don't know if they if they go out west, like try to add like Arizona or something. Like I don't know where do you go at that point because you don't want to dip back down into lower teams. You want to stay a more major conference, but I don't. All the major, you're not a major conference anymore. That's essentially no. what just effectively it's, happened. It, well, it's basically what happened to the Big East whenever Miami yeah. and, and Virginia Tech left. Yep, it's very similar. Feels very similar, and, and yeah, and, the Big East you know, dissolved. <laughs> at the time, before they dissolved, you know, I think it was really West Virginia that kind of kind of went to the top of that conference briefly while they were still kind of like a, a power conference, uh, and they, they reaped the benefits there until the conference folded. I think Iowa State's in that position in the Big 12 right now. I think Matt Campbell is probably – sitting pretty good because they'll probably win that conference, you know, if it exists for however long, if it, if it goes like the Big East. Also wondering, you talking about searching for new members, if Butch Jones is sitting there at Arkansas State calling up the Big 12, trying to exit the Sun Belt and, and get back into a, a Power 5 conference. I'm sure that yeah, phone's I been mean, working. You have some you have some fringe schools. Arkansas State would be one of them because Arkansas State – Yeah, they're actually pretty decent, yeah. They've been a feeder school. For for some of those, because it was wasn't it Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze mm-hmm. were both at Arkansas State before, and then went on to bit you know like it's just been one of those fringe schools, and you have a few of those out there. I'm pretty interested to see exactly what shape that takes. And Texas and Oklahoma gave them a few years to get it figured out. They said whatever. I they said 2024 is it. I I wonder if they'll buy their way out before then. Mm. Because they had the option to, they just have to pay what would have been their yearly revenue share as a penalty, and that can also potentially be adjudicated in court. From what I read, you you could 
go after it legally and maybe not have to pay those fees. Nonetheless. Oh, I'm uh, sure there will be many, many lawyers here. And, and, yeah. Whole, know, getting, uh, getting paid because of this. Yeah, it's a great payday for whatever lawyers all those schools have. I, I could say that much. But it's it's going to be messy. It's going to be painful up front. There's going to be more. And and I've, I have advocated for this, and it's always been a controversial thing in the way that I say the SEC will have to grapple with some of its hanger-ons. I think they should at least. I don't know if they will. They might just ignore it. Um, Vandy is a leech. They don't provide anything. Except and I baseball. know that's, they are they're one of the they're one of the founding members. And you know, they're they're deep within the lore of the SEC. They don't provide anything. Except, except for baseball. Except for baseball. That's true. But which they really doesn't, don't which doesn't pay the bills, so exactly. At the end of the day, they're a leech on a conference. Maybe they can stay in for baseball. And, and there are schools that do this, like with the Big East, schools that are in one conference in basketball and another conference in, in another sport. Maybe they stay in the SEC in baseball and they're out in football. I think you're going to have to grapple with some stuff like that. They are a leech on the conference as far as football goes. They provide nothing. In fact, I think they are a net negative as far as football goes. Sorry, Vandy. I'm sure that surprises people that on this Tennessee podcast, we don't think very highly of Vandy. Uh, I mean, in Tennessee's worst year last year, Tennessee beat Vandy by 30. You know, it just, it is what it is. M- Missouri, leech on a conference. Missouri doesn't bring, Missouri had a couple of good years with Gary Pingle before he left. And now, like, they're, I saw a thing about brand value, school brand value this past week uh, in the SEC. You know, Tennessee is like five or six. Al- uh, Alabama is number one, I think. LSU was right in there. To you know, the huge brands are huge, and Missouri was almost the same as Vandy. I mean, they just don't what what they bring in terms of market value is just not high. They don't bring the Kansas City market, and they also don't bring the St. Louis market. So, what do you bring? No. In? Yeah, there are people. The only hardcore Missouri fans in in Missouri are probably alumni. It's probably not a far reaching base at all. Exactly. They they do not have the universal. The whole state of Missouri is not Missouri fans, in yeah, my experience. I mean, yeah, I've baseball you know, I've been, and football. Been to St. Louis a decent amount. I I don't see it. Um, and I think they're gonna have to grapple with some of those hanger ons. Um, and Missouri fans get real butthurt about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just you're a leech on the conference. I don't know what to tell you. You're not good at basketball. You're not good at football. You're not good at baseball. That's you lost to Tennessee in all of those sports and tennis. Like you well, lost they have to, to understand they yeah. I mean they they've had better years in football than Tennessee recently, where they've you know they've won the SEC East what two years in a row under people, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. And their brand is still nowhere close to Tennessee's what Tennessee's is right now through the worst 10, 15 year period of the program like ever, and their brand still. I mean. It towers over Missouri, so yeah, that's it's not even a question there. Like, and, and it's like Texas A and M is a very different case. I know there's a lot of SEC fans are like Texas A and M. Texas A and M used their entrance into the SEC to become huge. They mm-hmm. went and they hired Jimbo Fisher for seventy five yeah. million dollars. They made power moves, and Missouri hired Eli Drinkwitz. Okay, <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah, and A and M is a great, great fan base. Great crowd. They kind of feel, you know, like they should be an SEC program more yeah. really than Texas or Oklahoma to me. Just the way it feels. Just kind of, I don't know, there's something about that fan base that feels pretty passionate to me. 
They really, I mean, they are, they are crazy. And I'm, I'm probably a little biased to Texas A&M. I have a decent amount of family that went to Texas A&M, including my own sister. But like, I, I'm, I'm no Texas A&M fan. I would say that, but I've been to games. I've been to a Texas A&M, Texas game. I was at the very last one that was ever played. I mean, the passion there is something you will not find in Missouri of that game where you go and you stand in the student section and you see exactly what this is all about. And when they were introduced in the SEC, I was like, this is, this is right. Texas A&M. And, and I think Texas will fit in fine also. And so will Oklahoma. They feel in that same echelon in terms of passionate fan base. And I think some, some of those other schools I mentioned, Florida state, Clemson, uh, Virginia tech, maybe, I think you could throw those in too. They, they feel like they could be a decent fit and you might have to grapple with, maybe we need to bring in a Virginia Tech and kick out Missouri. Something like that, I think you'll see shifts in potentially. I, it's tough, specifically with Vandy. I don't, to me, Missouri's a no-brainer. Missouri, you're back in the Big 12. <laughs> you're, I mean, honestly, like do a trade. It just, you're in the Big 12 again and I'm, that is what it is. You're just not bringing enough to the table. And I, I, I will be very interested to see the shape that it takes because, as I said, the plates are shifting under our feet. I don't know exactly where it goes, but you're not going to have a ton of control over it. As a fan, we can, we can whine and moan if we want to, but this is going to happen. And I think the sport ultimately will be better for it, whatever I shape think, it takes. I think so, too. I think... You know, the biggest problem with college football right now is there's there's no parity. You know, it, it's the same. It, it, you can make a prediction every single year, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State in the playoff, and there's a really good chance you're going to be right. If not, you're going to get two or three out of four, probably. And that's every single year. And that's – it's not fun. That part's not fun. There is no hope. If you're – unless you're LSU and you just catch lightning in a bottle with – Joe Burrow and Joe Brady, there's no hope to just come out of nowhere and compete for a championship. And I think this is going to force one, like you mentioned earlier, a bigger playoff. I don't know how much bigger. I mean, I wrote recently, I'd love to see it just go all in, go 64 teams and <laughs> just change the whole thing up. And and you would get the whole month of December would just be great games every weekend. Play them. Don't play them at neutral sites. Play them at you know, the higher seed stadium, and you would get some really fun matchups. But even if that doesn't happen, you're going to get an expanded playoff. Like you said, you're going to get a lot better games. I mean, you, you you get to see maybe, you know, Texas and Georgia playing uh, a one year or every couple of years or Oklahoma, Florida, or just these matchups that you, you don't usually see. You're going to continue to get more and more of those as these conferences kind of decide how they're going to proceed into the next 10, 20 years of college football. The other thing that that does concern me, I guess, is the group of five stuff, because I do think this is, I mean, they're the ones that stand to lose the most from this, because, I mean, what do you do? FCS schools too, What what's the answer there? You can't fit all these games in. I mean, you're going to have to expand conference schedules, however that plays out. If the plus is that we're getting better games, we got to get rid of seeing – you know, Alabama and Tulane player or whoever, how does that work? You know, what, what happens with schools like UCF who are kind of on that cusp of being a power five program, but, but they're not, I mean, this really 
do they jump up? I mean, the other schools, I don't know. That That's my one concern with it. Not that those programs are really ever going to compete for a national championship. It's not about the national championship in, in general. It's just how do those programs survive? That is probably the biggest the biggest question if I want to be kind in this situation. Like the the free market capitalist in me goes like too bad. <laughs> you know? It just is the fallout of the situation. Uh, while I also go, those schools are very important to the ecosystem because you do still get great players that come from those schools and you get great games that come from those schools. And a lot of those schools have big fan base. UCF has a big fan base mm-hmm. and they, they actually sell a lot of tickets to football games. And I, when UCF plays, I'll watch, I don't care. And the way that that shakes out will be, I don't, I don't know. I, it, that's some of that stuff is the hardest for me to imagine where, as I said before, does it turn into the mega conferences that play quote unquote, like big boy football. And then the NCAA now is over just those smaller schools. And that kind of becomes kind of triple a compared to double a ball or something. I, I don't, I don't know. That's that's a projection that to me I haven't really done my research in terms of what the long term plan is there because surely surely a lot of those schools have had this on their mind surely if you haven't been your your athletic director is not good at their job <laughs> well they you should know. have already uh, this on top of the the one time transfer thing I mean that's really going to impact these schools too because you have a lot of guys that. I mean, like you said, you, a lot of great players come from these schools. A lot of NFL players, a lot of Hall mm-hmm. of Fame NFL players. Uh, there'd be Super Bowls that weren't won if not for a group of five schools and the opportunity they gave certain players. So, you know, you, you have to have them there to give these players these opportunities. They really need the exposure in some sense that you get playing a Power Five program. But then, you know, that's also a curse because that's going to lead to more of these players leaving group of five schools after a year or two when they, you know, Alabama finds out, Hey, that, that kid can play. You want to come to Tuscaloosa and leave them behind. Of course, they're going to say, yes, you'd be crazy not to. I don't know. It is a thing that they need group of five schools, but they got to find a way to, to balance this. And that is going to be very difficult. I mean, I also think like does in some sense though, what is right now the group of five and I think will change over the next few years to some, something else. Cause it's, I think that group of five is about to become a group of five plus the big 12 mm-hmm. uh, at the very least. Does it actually lift up the group of five where you have these real, the schools that are in the real have group and the ones below, they're not necessarily have nots. They get, you know, Baylor and TCU is now like quote unquote group of five. If they stay in the big 12 or whatever, you know, like that actual set of schools actually becomes better for this. Well, I mean, that's the one thing, though, is that if, if you do expand to this crazy 64-team playoff, then those schools do get a chance to compete. Yeah. And then maybe somebody does, you know, you do have players going there to start instead of going to Alabama to be second or third string. Hey, I can go to UCF, start, get a shot in the uh, this new NCAA tournament, maybe have a chance to get some exposure, make some money, and really be more exposed. 
that was my thinking with the 64 team playoff deal, which I know sounds absurd, but even a, what are they talking about? Like a 12 team playoff, maybe 16 or something. Even then those group of five teams, maybe one, maybe if you have a UCF type year where you go undefeated, you get a shot in that playoff, you know, maybe, you know, how far did Liberty or or coastal, maybe one of those schools last year would have got in. But that's still like just a random chance and everything has to go right to even have a shot there to get into that. So that still doesn't really solve the whole letting a group of five, you know, letting somebody in because there's nothing promised with a 12 or 16 team. So that's kind of my thinking behind this really mega expanded playoff. I, I don't know. I got a, got a lot of thoughts. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to think of the things that I want to address. I mean, it's just such a multifaceted thing yeah lots of you do you go what shape does this take for the sec for the acc for the big 10 i think those are your big players right now those are the ones they're probably all going to expand or shift around or however whatever that takes and then you have that and you have this group of five question does a group of five get bigger and better is it in a tougher spot does it does it become where you know, because I mean, honestly, like group of five football really, we've already said it really has its spot, but in terms of like TV, it's kind of a, a meme on like college football media for like, uh, you know, Mac, the Mac games on Wednesday nights like that. It has appeal. It really does genuinely have appeal. And I don't, I think it could end up shaking out to be good for everybody in, in every situation. And while also I could also see scenarios where just these schools that don't have as much money, don't have as much power really get screwed over. Also, as I said, like if these schools have an AD that hasn't been thinking about the eventuality of this, you need to find a new AD because this stuff is coming and it's coming quick. Now, if this is not, if this is not the wake up call that any of those schools needed, use it as that this should be it where you go. Oh, Oh, something's about to happen. Like some bigs about to go down. These NIL laws changed. Something's about to happen. And, and yeah, and there's, there's elements that you already touched on too, where it can really change recruiting and create more parity with the bigger schools. I think you're already, I mean, and this, this was something we already had on the docket to talk about. I think you really see it specifically with the NIL laws, separate even from the super conference idea, the updated NIL rules. Um, you see a situation where Tennessee is in this absolute, dumpster fire of a debacle with all the stuff with you know violations and whatever and the number one player in the state of tennessee for the the class of 2022 uh is going he's from the memphis area but is going to now play in knoxville and you've been getting all of these predictions that he will commit to tennessee and I look at that situation. I mean, the kid hasn't come out and flat out said it, but does that kid look around and go, I can go to Alabama and be down the roster, or I can go to Tennessee and be the biggest name at Tennessee and make all this NIL money. And that's pretty sweet. And apparently this kid's going to be living in Knoxville this coming year. He's going to Powell high school, five minutes from where my parents live. And, and like, I, that, that there is stuff coming 
as far as that goes, that I think could really shift things around in college football beyond the shift in conferences, there could be a shift in power away from the big guys to where if you can create a profile for these young major recruits, they might stay home. They might not just funnel straight into Alabama because they can go make money at home. I, we already talked about this. We talked about this on, on the episode where we talked about the change in the NIL rules. There's so, so much going on with all this stuff right now. So much to address. Yeah, and we're starting, you know, like you said, we're starting to see that kind of come to fruition a little bit because there's no reason that Walter Nolan should really be strongly considering Tennessee. I mean, he's the yeah. number three overall player in the country, I think, according to the 24-7 sports. Yep. Um, yeah, he could go anywhere. And Tennessee is, who knows where the program's heading. But much like a Trey Smith or a Cade Mays, you know, when Cade Mays came back to Tennessee, that that's a, you're the big guy in the city. If Trey Smith goes to Alabama and has the same career, um, you, you probably hear his story just because of what he went through. But he's not the same celebrity type that he is now, especially in the state of Tennessee. Same thing with Cade Mays. The amount of attention, the, even the amount of attention that Cade Mays got just because he went to Georgia over Tennessee, but then the attention that he's got since he came back to Tennessee, again, a celebrity, and he didn't even really have that good of a year last year, and he's still one of the most talked about players in East Tennessee. He's already picked up some endorsements. We'll probably, yeah, I think everybody's just kind of filling out the whole endorsement sponsorship deal uh, like we were talking about before we started recording the market hasn't really been set on any of that stuff so we're all kind of figuring out what's what you know everybody's kind of dipping their toes in right now yeah if you're walter nolan if you can play uh the nfl is going to find you i mean alabama has all these players in the nfl every year not just because they went to alabama and got developed but part of it's because they went to you know, Alabama gets the best players. If those same players went to UCF or, or, or any other program, they're still probably going in the first round. I mean, we see it every year where a couple of guys from a group of five school goes in the first round. Nolan can come to Tennessee, be the most talked about guy in the state, and make probably a decent amount of side money while he's at Tennessee and then enjoy a NFL career. I mean, you, you can see with the NIL – NIL stuff, how Tennessee's in the picture without NIL, I doubt they are, to be honest. I think you could, if you're in Tennessee. And that's nothing, that's nothing against Josh Heupel and his staff, by the no. way. Nothing at all. Yeah. This is all, like, Tennessee just finds itself in this unfortunate situation. Yeah. It just, that's where we're at. But I think Tennessee, you could really approach it as, like, with, with with kids like this, you could say it in kinder words than I'm going to say it right now, but you could basically say like, what if you go to another school that's not here and your career falls flat and then nobody knows your name and then nothing ever happened and you just kind of float into obscurity or you can come to Tennessee, maybe your career falls flat, but you're the hometown guy. And you already have your brand built and we can get connections for you. And, you know, in, in this state and around here, you know, we'll have endorsement deals for you. You'll, you're already a celebrity. You're already the big dog. So even if you, you know, your career doesn't turn out 
to be this superstar thing. At least you're not lost in obscurity at Alabama as a no-name. You're here. You were the star. You know, I there's there's so many selling points, I think, that can come from that that haven't been available in the past because all the stuff was going on under the table. Um, as I said, you could say that in kinder words. You don't want to scare these kids into being like, if you go to Alabama, your life's going to be ruined. I mean, that's what I, Lane Kiffin would, would say. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, if you have no shame, that's what you say. Yeah. But uh, like, there there are a ton of selling points to be made here because, like, I just think about it. So many players. We we have one with A to Z sports where after your career. You can make a career from your profile that you had in college. Jonathan Crompton did our halftime show during this last football season. He is doing it again this coming season, as far as I'm, you know. Uh, and like, you can spin well, your previous life into your <laughs> into current success. I mean, look and, at all of it. Jason Swain, that you you know, my former boss. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Ainge, you know. Yep. I mean, neither one of those guys were from. I mean, Eric Ainge is not even from this coast. N- none of those yeah. guys that you mentioned are from East Tennessee. Crompton's a little closer, being from from the mountains in North Carolina. But yeah, none of those guys are even from East Tennessee. Uh, Ramon Foster mm-hmm. hosted a, a show in Nashville now after his, you know, coming back to Tennessee after his NFL career. Yeah, the opportunities are limitless, really, and it's not just in media. I mean, any any business setting is, is goes for that too. Yeah, there's so much to sell there, and hopefully, long term, that turns into more parity in college football. Then that parity happens within these new conferences, and you get parity between Alabama and Texas and Oklahoma and and Texas A and M and LSU. Like, how fun would that be if all of these schools are playing at a high level because all of them get more high level players? And then we all have more awesome, fun, great college football to watch. Like that, obviously, I don't know if it'll be that rosy at the end, but I think this has the potential for that. And that alone, to me, is is awesome. So I hope, I all I really want to do in talking about this is maybe help with some fears that people have. I personally believe this will end up being great for college football. In the long run, I know we all want to hang on to tradition. It's comfortable. It's what we've always known. And that stuff is so awesome. We all know that. But in the long run, what if we all get better players? And what if we all play bigger games on a bigger stage with better players? Like, that's amazing. What's the worst thing thing? that's going to happen here? Tennessee's still going to be running through the tee at home games. The worst thing that, that... I think fans are scared of is that what, maybe they don't play Alabama one year. Maybe they don't play Florida one year. I mean, I, I want to see them play Florida. That's the a great rivalry. It's one of the, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, I mean, to me, that's the one uh, like, like you kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, but if that's the worst thing that happens, you don't get that game one year. You're going to get another great game, maybe a more winnable game for Tennessee. I'm not. I'm not necessarily advocating that. That's what I want to see happen. But that really, that's the worst thing that we're talking about happening, as far as all of this goes. I could not agree more. And the 
we do need to talk, I guess, to some extent about what happened at SEC Media <laughs> Days. We spent basically the whole show uh, talking about this. But any before we wrap it up, we'll finish with some of what you know what we thought of Heupel's appearance there. Um, but any parting thoughts on on this uh, shift in college football that's happening right in front of us? Um, I guess I'm just anxious to see what happens because it really is you know, entering this era of we don't know where this ends up, you know. Um, and, and I can understand people being anxious about it and nervous about it and, and wanting to hold on to to the past. I get it. But it's it's going to happen regardless. We just got to jump on and, and, and enjoy the ride and see where it goes. And there's a lot of money in college football, a lot of money. And college football is not going anywhere. There's – it's one of the biggest – I mean, it's, it's a bigger moneymaker than – I don't know. I, I I probably shouldn't say that it's a beer moneymaker than some major sports, but it's probably not far from it. it. Yeah, it's massive and it's moving everything right now. It comes in as far as college sports go. It comes before everything else. That's the world that we live in. <laughs> and yeah, just hold on for dear life because this is it's happening whether we like it or not. And hopefully we like the product that pops out on the other end. But um, Josh Heupel did show up. At SEC Media Days, we'll finish with this. He said some stuff out of the front of his face. What did you think, Zach? I mean, it's pretty much what I expected. You know, he's got his talking points out there, and it it wasn't this rah-rah over-the-top stuff, I guess, and it wasn't Jeremy Pruitt monotone either. I mean, I didn't really go into it with high expectations, so I didn't really honestly take much away from it. I mean, it's kind of what I expected. It's what we've seen in his few media appearances that he's made. He... He doesn't really say a whole lot. He doesn't really reveal a whole lot. He's not over the top. He's, you know, he's he's got his talking points, his, his stuff he's trying to sell like any coach does. But I thought it was a fair appearance. Nothing, nothing really notable. I thought the notable stuff came from some of the other coaches. I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin, of course, was entertaining. Mike Leach was definitely entertaining. Surprisingly, Eli Drinkwitz was one of the more entertaining coaches and I don't know if that was kind of forced I have a feeling that he kind of went into the uh media days with the plan to try to ruffle some feathers maybe for recruiting purposes to kind of you know like you kind of mentioned about Missouri there's really not a Missouri brand so him going out there and kind of taking some shots at Dan Mullen and Arkansas and and Texas and Oklahoma for whatever reason I mean probably smart on his part it got him noticed I mean I I wrote about him, and it was one of the most read articles I wrote about last week. So I guess mission accomplished if you're him. I, I do think that was probably a good move on on his part. That is how you get attention ginned up, is you got to do stuff like that. I also think I'm glad Heupel didn't do any of that. He needed yeah. to go in kind of with his head down. You don't have anything to sell right now. You just – you have – you can say what you can say, and then that's pretty much the end of it until we actually see some action on the football field. Drinkwitz with a year behind him already. That was, eh, you know. Five and five, I think, yeah. It was yeah, okay. it, was, it was okay. Maybe better than some people expected or close to it. And, you know, hey, good for him. I did. I, that was 
weird. I saw some article that was like, Eli Drinkwitz is the new bad boy of the SEC. I was like, okay. I wrote something similar to that. Did you? It wasn't that, though. It was definitely not that title because (laughs) I did not see bad boy in any of that because he still has the little (laughs) comb over look. And not that I'm taking shots at his appearance by any means, but there's nothing about him that screams bad boy of the SEC. (laughs) Because look, even when he was saying that stuff, it did not feel natural coming no. out of his mouth. It's That's not like Lane Kiffin. <laughs> it's not like Lane Kiffin where he's sitting up there saying stuff, just kind of, you know it's coming. Or Mike Leach, who never even cracks a smile when he's going on about whatever diatribe he's decided to go off on. I, I, yeah, you kind of expect that from them. But with Drinkwitz, it was definitely not his normal personality, at least what I would assume his yeah. normal personality is. It felt forced where, yeah, with like with Leach, it just flows out of Mike Leach to just be a total weirdo. And oh, did you hear his deal. comments about the Tennessee job? I don't think so. What did he say? Well, they asked him if he almost took the uh, Tennessee job. And he was like, uh-huh. yeah, I talked to him. But, uh, you know, there was a coup there and, and nothing ever got worked out. So I guess <laughs> the good thing is, is I didn't end up in the middle of a coup. <laughs> hey, if he's anything, he is honest. Uh yes. Oh yeah, that's funny. I I mean, and it just like that just comes naturally. Leech. It felt like a drink with her. I was like, okay, what are we doing here? This is and yeah, it probably was to gin up some attention, and that's fine. You got to do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, I'm I'm glad to walk away from that whole thing without much to talk about. I will. To ask me, you that was the point. One more thing about the nil stuff because I don't think we've talked about this. What did you think? And this was not at media day's appearance, but it was last week about Nick Saban's comments about his quarterback, uh, Bryce Young making nearly seven figures in, yeah. in, in, in NIL money, I guess endorsement money already. And hasn't even been the starter for a game yet. I mean, that's, that's the level that we're talking about here. When we talk about like massive amounts of money flowing through college football and why it just goes I mean, to that exact point that the NCAA is irrelevant nonsense. A million dollars for a kid that hasn't even played a game yet because Bro. he's the quarterback of the number one brand in college football. What a power move by Saban. Oh, man. Tennessee has spent all this time promoting their NIL courses and these media, uh, just the social media stuff they've put out, these videos, these presentations. Alabama, I haven't seen any of that. And he goes out there and drops one sentence and just blows all that out of the water. I mean, insane. It, it really, I mean, it really was, yeah, it was just him. Excuse my French here. If you're, uh, if your kids are listening with you in the car or whatever, it was Saban just throwing his dick on the table, just going, here it is. Like it was nothing. Yeah. And like, he has the right to do that. He is the greatest college football coach to have ever done it. That is his status. And he can do that stuff. I, you know, and and hey, good for that kid. Good lord. Oh, if yeah, that's true. Sure. I, you know. Yeah. And but that also as, as I said, my takeaway was this this is just this is the end for for the NCAA. What even is your function at this point if these kids can come in and legally make this much money and circumvent that entire process? Yeah. You serve no purpose. You serve What's no the stop now? Purpose. You know, if Jeremy Pruitt is the head coach now, you know, or if these rules were two or three years ago, 
was to stop Jeremy Pruitt from giving a local company $500,000 and saying, here, go sponsor uh, Henry Toto, go sponsor Eric Gray, pay them this money for them to endorse your product. Exactly. I mean, that's, it's that easy. Uh, I mean, that is, that just speaks to the, to the whole point and, and everything that we've been talking about here where it just, it's, it is a pure example of all of this stuff changing and in my opinion for for the better uh and man i i just i don't know how you compete with that that's the thing (laughs) that's the tough thing at the end of the day tennessee can now throw around money and brand and that's great and it's a big advantage that tennessee didn't have before but saban can throw around money brand you're gonna win a national championship and that Uh just ah, until somebody else does it that's the advantage that that guy has and so, you know, the, there you go. But I, uh, I think that's it. I got to run. We're running up on an hour here. Zach, anything that maybe we, we, we didn't hit or you want to talk about? I'm sure there's something we didn't hit, but it's not coming to me at this moment. So we'll just wait till somebody tweets us about it. <laughs> they always do. But that's it for us. A great show. Too much, honestly, to even cover in an episode with all this. I, we'll just have to talk about it as it comes. We will also have, in the next few weeks, as it happens, coverage, of course, of fall ball and maybe some previews of what Tennessee will actually look like uh, with Josh Heupel in this new season. We'll do all of that, hopefully, on a more regular schedule. We've been on vacations. We've been all over the place. And uh, hopefully that will tone down here in the next few weeks and we'll we'll get it going with some real, real coverage. And uh, otherwise, I think that's it. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. And the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. That's it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. That really is so annoying, though. Dang it.